This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, and you know what what is in Exodus chapter 20 as well as Deuteronomy chapter 5. Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 have the Ten Commandments. And uh, I think it's important as you're uh, making this journey and that really they're making the journey to know God. God is revealing himself to them through the Ten Commandments. Now, he can't reveal himself to them through the physical manifestation of himself, which is his son, Jesus, on the cross, giving his life as a ransom for sin because it's not time for Jesus to come. So he has to reveal himself in a way that he revealed himself in the Garden of Eden. He is, he reveals himself through the law, and the law is the knowledge of good and evil. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you think about it, what is the knowledge of good and evil? What is it that defines or tells me what is good and evil? It's the law. If you go into a community and and you don't know their way of living, the things they do, what do you do? You go to the local code, the town ordinances, and you find out that this is how this community operates. These are the ordinances that that guide the community through life. If you go to another state, and let me say this, in the United States, it's a very unique place because each state has its own code. Now, are there codes that that have been passed by multiple states that are very similar? Yeah, there are. The, the criminal code in a lot of states is very similar. The family court codes that deal with all kinds of aspects of, of custody and things like that. There is a united code that is similar in a lot of states, but that's not necessarily true for every state. And because each state in the United States has their own, they have the authority and they have the responsibility to take care of the health and welfare of their citizenry. Because of that, they have their own code. They have their own rules. In fact, one of the biggest rulings that has come down in in our generation recently was the ruling to overthrow the federal power over abortion and pass it back down to the states. And if you think about it, and our Constitution says that the health and welfare of the population is left to the states to determine. And, and so that ruling is a very legal, legally correct ruling just because it gives the state back <clears throat> that power. And a lot of states will be doing different things because they have that power and they have different populaces 
that their law reveals how those people are, how they think, how their society and their culture is different. And so the United States has really 50 different societies and cultures and different ways of doing things, different ways of revealing that society. God himself has a law. God himself has a code, as we would say in the legal profession. He's got his own code, and that code defines him. That code tells you who he is. Now, that code doesn't cause you to be able to attain to him. That code doesn't doesn't tell you how you can have a relationship with him. It doesn't give you a methodology by which to do it other than to follow the code so that you can be closely linked or closely tied to him. The Code of Alabama, generally speaking, tells you what you should not be doing, what is illegal, or it gives you certain powers that you can do, but it defines how you can do them. And so anything that's mentioned in the Code of Alabama generally is telling you either no or if you're going to do it, this is how you do it. And it, it is very cold and non-relational, isn't it? It's, it's cold and, and distant. If you're in a marriage relationship and that marriage is based off of a set of rules, the husband makes the bed, the wife cleans the shower, the husband takes out the garbage, the wife takes out, does the, does the laundry, and that, those rules are just set in stone, and that's the way we do life. You do these things and I do these things. What happens when one of you is sick? What happens... What happens when one of you is out of town and can't do those things? What happens when you get in a fight? Do you withhold your functioning in those areas? What happens is that what you built your marriage off of is a cold set of rules, not a relationship. And in a relationship, sure, everybody has the things they do really well, and you want them to do those things. You want them to perform those functions because they do them better than you do, and it's more efficient for the family, but you do that in the context of relationship, and you recognize the importance of the person who is doing those things that that is they're the best at, they're good at, they're efficient at, and that's very helpful to you, and you do things for them that's very helpful for them, and you're bought in 100%. You're going to do whatever it takes to make their lives better, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make your life better, and so I might be doing things that according to our rules, I would not be doing, but I need to do them because my spouse, the one, or my children need me to do those at that time. As you can tell, rules rules oftentimes are very difficult to, to form relationship. Relationship is more of a commitment of trust. It's a commitment of love. It's a commitment of desiring to see the very best for others. And rules, generally speaking, Although they have importance, although they can order things very well, they don't have the depth of relationship that that we want. And so <clears throat> the knowledge of good and evil is just tells us what's right and wrong. It just tells us. The law just tells us what we should do and what we shouldn't be doing. But it doesn't give any of the depth and the feeling that comes from that comes from a covenant relationship. And those covenants that God had with Israel and God had with those people, those are the those are the relational aspects of how God deals with his people in the Old Testament. And remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of all those covenants. So he is the ultimate arbiter of not only the truth, how things actually are, 
but he's the arbiter of relationship. He's the one who teaches us how to have a relationship with God. He opens the door. In fact, he calls himself the way. He is the way to a relationship with God that's not just based off of living up to a set of rules. God presents himself in this manner. It's actually Jesus who's presenting himself, presenting God in this way. And the reason he's doing that is because really there's no way to have the depth of those covenant relationships without having the person of Jesus Christ to have them with. And if you think about it, we love the Father, we love God, but we always talk about Jesus in our services and our in our goings and comings, when people are telling others about God and how to have a relationship with God, we always go through Jesus because he is a man. He's someone, he's, he is tangible. He's someone we can actually talk about as a human being. And uh, that's powerful. That's powerful to the human thought. It's powerful to the human soul. It causes people to, to really be able to buy in. And that's why you have all these songs about loving Jesus. Why? Because Jesus first loved us, because there's a loving relationship there. There is a relationship of love because he gave the ultimate advice, even though he's God, even though being God, he said, he said, it's not something that I want to hang on to all the trappings of being eternal God in heaven. I'm going to come down and also be man. And that means I'm going to take on some of those limitations. Even though I'm God, I'm going to take on those limitations and I'm going to come in the form of a man. And, and because of that, we were able to have that relationship that, that you couldn't have any other way. And notice that the relationship based on the law even starts out with, I do this, you do that, because it, it has to. We don't have the, we don't have the depth of an actual person in the sense of a human being to talk to. And so when God presents himself or the Lord God, and remember Jehovah Elohim is Jesus. It's, it's Jehovah the Lord and Elohim, which is a common name for God. Jehovah Elohim is Jesus. It's Jesus presenting himself. And so in verse 20, verse one, it says, and God Elohim, the common name for God, spoke all these words. Now he's telling us that God himself spoke all these words. He said, I am. And so you go, which aspect of God are we talking about? We're talking about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we do this from a New Testament perspective, no doubt about it. But that's the perspective that we've got that, that, that complete revelation through. He says, I am the Lord, your God. And I like, I love this because you're going to see Jehovah Elohim used a lot, but notice in between Jehovah meaning the Lord and Elohim meaning the common name for God between the Lord and the common name for God. Notice how, notice what he puts in the middle of it, because this is what God wants. He puts us. I am, I am, which is what he said on the mountaintop when he first met Moses the first time, when he told him, who is it that sent you? He says, I am meaning the guy on the mountain that initiated the relationship in the burning bush, I am the Lord Jehovah, your, in the middle, God. Je I am the Lord, your God. And, and that's important. You're in the middle. 
You're in the middle. You're the reason for this. You're the reason for him meeting Moses on the mountaintop. You're the reason for him delivering you out of Egypt. He's telling these people, you're the ones I'm doing this for. I've done this for you. And notice, notice, even in the midst of the law, even though the law is so limited in its ability to have that complete total relationship, even though it can be very cold, even in the midst of that, God is saying, I want relationship with you because I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God, and I have done certain things. Now, he did, he's done a, a picture of what he's going to do in completion in Jesus. And what was that? He brought them out of Egypt. He redeemed them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So what is he saying? I am, I am the Lord, your God, who delivered you who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I brought you out of the bondage that you had. You were separated. You were enslaved. You were nothing. And I've made you into something. In fact, earlier it said, I'm going to make you a special treasure to me. I'm like, You're going to be a, a treasured people to me. And so he's saying, look, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm telling you this. If you didn't know, you didn't understand before, I'm letting you know this. And you need to understand that, that I want you and I have done what it what it's taken to have you. I've performed what is required for you to actually be able to know me and to know who I am. And I'm trying to reveal myself to you. That's what he's doing on this mountaintop. And to understand just beyond just the words and the rules, the intent and the process God is going through to reveal himself to humanity, I think is very powerful. And failing to understand that will cause you at times to get very legalistic. Can I say that? It'll cause you to get very legalistic because what you'll do is all you'll have is the rules. And if you don't really understand the intent and, the, and what's going on in the rules, then all you do is kind of live by the rules and you really focus on the rules you're good at. And the ones you're not so good at, you don't talk about as much, right? Isn't that what we do? That's how we live our life. I know it is. I always talk about the things I do good. I don't like talking about things I don't do well. And not knowing the context causes us to separate based on the law. The law actually separates us. And the New Testament talks about that several times. It talks about how it divides us and it separates. Because it does. It says, this is God and this ain't God. You say, why would you say it that way? Because I'm in the South. This is God and this is not God, if that makes you feel better, okay? It's, this is God and this ain't God, okay? And so we know that. We understand it. We get it, all right? He says, I am the Lord. I love that he puts that there. You're God. We got a relationship. I've done something. I brought you out of Egypt. I've redeemed you out of Egypt by the blood of the lamb. Now, he's going to ultimately, ultimately redeem us by the blood of the ultimate lamb, Jesus Christ, but he did this for them out of Egypt, and they need to understand that. And this is a foreshadowing of God's ultimate redemption through Jesus Christ. And then it says, you shall have no other gods, and then we got this word before me. I, <clears throat> so that's the, first, that's the first rule. Why? Because if we're going to have other gods, then we're not going to have as good a relationship. And so we can't have other gods before me. You can't have any other gods. Now, the word for before is really, I, I guess what you would call it is the super preposition, okay? The best way for me to describe it, it is a super preposition in Hebrew. It is, you can, you literally can translate it almost every possible way a preposition can 
be translated. You, it can be before, behind, over, under, in, out. All, all the prepositions that you can think of that have to do with a person being in a spot and something being beside. You can't have any God. So he says, you shall not have any other gods above me. You shall not have any God, other gods below me. You sh- shall not have any gods beside me. You shall not have any gods around me. You can't have any other gods near me. What he's saying is you can't have any other gods. No other gods. No other gods, okay? I don't want nothing. No other gods. No no other gods. And he gives us this super preposition, this word that really means all spaces nearby, beside, around, before, above, under, in, no, no other god. No, nobody else but me. And you go, that's selfish. He's a jealous God and he wants us and he wants us to have him. And you can't have him and other gods. There's no way to listen to me. There's no way for this to work any other way. You can't have him. If he's going to do all that he's going to do for you, you can't have him and other gods. And if there are any other gods, he's going to be jealous about that. He's going to be very destructive about that. He's going to root those things out of your life. He's going to remove those things out of your life. Because, by the way, they're not God like he is. They can't deliver you out of Egypt. They can't take you out of slavery. They can't be Lord and God with you in the middle. They can't do those things. And no other God has no other God has the power to make you whole. To make you to give you full life, no, no, not there. It's just not there. And understanding that, it and seeing the intent and the purpose of God before we go through the rest of the commandments, because in my opinion, there's some really good things to understand about God and to learn from God. Now, remember the way we learn it best is through the telescope of Jesus Christ. It's through the lens of Jesus himself. There's, that's the way we really can understand this in its fullness. But there's some really good things to understand about how we are and how God is by reading this. And the first commandment has to do with the relationship with God. By the way, the second and the third commandment have to do with our relationship with God. In fact, the first three commandments have to do with our relationship with God. And then it'll go into our relationship with others. And then finally, a final commandment about our relationship with ourselves. And so as we're studying through this, as we're thinking about it, and as you're getting prepared to see it, I want you to I want you to see it in the context of relationship. Because by the way, that's the context that the Ten Commandments is written in. Notice he said, I took you out of Egypt. I brought you into the land of slavery. I brought you out of the land of slavery. And by the way, I'm the Lord with you in the middle, God. I'm the Lord with you in the middle, God. You are right in the middle of my intent and my reason for doing and my reason for making this world. It's you. And not only that, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods around, beside, no other gods but me. You shall have no other gods but me. And so I, I love that God begins with the important thing to him, and that's relationship. And we understand that it brings its fullness into being through Jesus Christ. But God's intent from the very beginning was to love us and to be with us. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. 
that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.